Good morning. So continuing through the journey, on the journey through Seder Shtalshlus. In the last year, two weeks ago, um, we discussed uh, Akudim. Which is summing up what we've done so far. Which of course is preceded by, the only thing that's preceded by is Asimus. The Shimu, the Kav, and then the general say the Ishtalshlis, Igulim, Vyesher, Makif, and Primi, Sever, Mala, Adam Kadmin. And then the last was the last discussion was on Akudim. And that's exactly in the order, in the progression of uh, how it's laid out, especially by the Arizal, even though. <coughs> When you look in Sifre Kabbalah before, you also see that structure. But that is all really create a full map in Eitzchayim, especially in Eitzchayim. So in that order, after Nekudim comes Nekudim. Based on the Posik in Vayetze, and this is also from an Eitzchayim, that Yaakov was tending to the Tzayn Lavan, to the sheep, so it says he bred them and it produced akudim, nekudim, vrudim, three types of sheep. And as I uh, briefly cited, that Izal says that lovon goes on, lovon de gdusha, nishtalshlus, levena elyon, which is the pure white, the pure state that's higher than all the madregas. And saying lovon, as the from there, that Yaakov was mamshech into three levels, akudim, nekudim, vrudim. So we're going to focus on the Kudim, which of course is part of the whole picture, and it follows the world of Akudim. Now another name for the Kudim is the world of Tayu. And we'll soon understand, we'll soon explain why is Tayu called the Kudim. Vrudim, which we'll discuss in the next uh, part of the series, it's called Vrudim, Tikkun, and Atsilus. Three names. But right now we're focusing on the Kudim. And as I've been doing throughout, it's not just to lay out the map and understand the building blocks, but most important, why did they wish to make it in the first place? They wish to did not need it. He doesn't need any of these steps. So it's clearly for the purpose of creation, it's for us. So that leads to the second question. So what's the... the application of it in Aveda might have committed to us that there's Nukudim or for that matter Akudim Avrudim and the other levels so that's going to be the main punchline which sadly in yeshivas that part is not taught you know we learn about those even people who are very masters of say Dishtalshos can tell you all the steps like a plumber can tell you every pipe but they can't tell you why we have these pipes and what's the purpose and what do we need to know about it. So, though I didn't post it, I'll just give a few more mechanics, which Nechsidis talks about this, uh, the world of Nekudim, sometimes in the context of Akudim and Nekudim. So just a few more mechanics. Obviously, everything starts with the Alter Rebbe. So in Tanya, actually, there's very little about this. But in Lukut there is the discussion. And there's also a Maimer, Tavkuf Samach I believe, called Lohoven Yinyan Akudim, where um, the Alter Rebbe lays out some of the Yusaydis, explaining the Arizal and what it means. But in the later Chsidis, I mentioned the Drush Gimumine Odom, where he talks in general about Seydish Tashlus, of Gimumine Odom, meaning Odom de Bria, Odom de Yitzir, Odom de. I see it, both, uh, as we discussed, in micro, macrocosm, we call it Silas de Clolus, Bria de Clolus, which is Odom Kadman, and Yitzhida de Clolus is actually Akudim and Akudim. So that Maimer as well. And then, there's a lot from the Tzamech Tzedek on it, 
I would just refer to Sefer Lekutim, Erech HaKudim, Lekudim Vrudim, talks a lot about it, gathered from different places. But then the next step is the Rebbe Rashab. So there's the famous Maimer Achre Meis Tofresh Memtes, where the Rebbe Rashab is a Maimer that's learned a lot in Yeshiva. So you may have learned it, but Rotsi and Shuv and Tayo and Tikkun. Then there's the Maimer by Yigdul Naorim Tofresh Samachay which also talks about Esau and Yaakov, which is the dialogue of Toyu and Tikkun. Esau being Toyu, Yaakov is Tikkun. And uh, that's also based on Teir Eir, where he talks about that Pasha Vayishlach. And finally, it's not exhaustive, but just another important mocker is Ayin Beis. The, end, uh, the, the last Maimonim in Ayin Dalad. Um, the page numbers I don't remember right now, but the Maimonim are... Matis Tofresh Ayin Dalad and on, and especially the Maimon of Sheftim and Kiseitse Tofresh Ayin Dalad. So um, in the earlier editions, it's closer to the end of volume one, but now I know that's many more volumes. I'm not even sure which volume it is, maybe three, maybe two. Okay, Kaponim, those are some of the Maimon Kames, which is the basis of what I'm going to be sharing here. So the first question, of course, is Akudim. And the Kudim seem to be very um, related to one another. Because the word Akudim means, Eser Eiris, Akudim Beklei Echot. That's the lotion of Eitzchayim. Ten energies. And what Eiris are they? The Eiris of the Eses But they're all bound. Akud is the word bound in one Keli. So the Kelim have just begun to emerge. I gave the example of, let's say, the conception of a child or a seed. You have a seed, but everything is encompassed in one kalim. You don't have ten kalim yet. When a tree grows into a full tree, it's not one seed. It has a trunk, it has roots, it has branches, it has leaves, it has fruit. If it's a fruit tree. <clears throat> or, or a child. If you look at a child, the moment of conception, all you see is one cell. Like clay echad. And in it is all, everything that will develop. It won't come from another place. But it's only after the nine months of development and the gestation that finally you see that the kalim begin to develop. So let's say in the first trimester, you can start seeing at the end of three, three, three months, you start seeing certain parts of the body begin to emerge. And then it continues till you're already talking about the second trimester, like six months, five, six months. You more or less have almost the entire child, but it's not yet fully, still very fragile cannot really be viable or exist outside the mother's womb. I mean, today's technologies have changed that a bit, but still, it's still extremely, extremely vulnerable because the kalim are still very weak. They just are fresh. So everything is very uh, sensitive. So essentially, if you think of it that way, and remember, the Abishta is the one that created this process, that there's nine months of pregnancy or whatever it takes for any tree to grow from a seed into a full tree... So that's just reflective of the process in the Shtalshlis is also like that. That the energies don't just jump from um, after the Simpson, from Eser Eris into Eser Kalim and everything is working. In other words, no one's born a, a full-blown adult. We have to go through nine months of development. So in Indian, the same is true through Shtalshlis, which, as I said, is, is called Odom Elyon or Odom uh, the Clovis. Like it says, Adam Kotnza, Adam Eilam Kotnza, Adam. So it says also, Adam Gadlza Eilam. So the world is also essentially created in the same way that it's a process. So Akudim would be one cell, or like the example of one seed, one Kali, ten energies. And Akudim, exactly as its name implies, is now Nukudim. It's Nukudis. Which means there are a bunch of points. Or in different words, it's now ten energies and ten containers. So not in Tayu, in the world of Nukudim, now you have ten Eris and ten Kalim. So clearly the development is, is very manifest. So if you're able to look at Elam Atayu, you will see ten structures. However, we still have to discuss what their state is there in. And as we'll discuss as well, the whole idea of Shvira Sarkalim, which is such a, a hallmark of Tayu, and why the Shvira Sarkalim, etc. We'll talk about that sh- shortly. But just to define the world, so now the ten spheres 
from Chachmeth through Malchus that in Akudim were all in one keli are now in ten separate keli. As I said, we still have to discuss what's their relationship, the relationship between the Eid and the keli. But there is ten keli, that's why it's called Nakudim. So on one hand, it's definitely progress, because without the world of Nakudim, you don't have this Chalkus. In Akudim, the Eidus can be ten, but first of all, Eidus, no matter what shita, whether it's Eidus Pshutim or Eidus Mitzayarim, even Eidus Mitzayarim is still not a keli. It means that the Eid has something in it that can relate to a keli. It's really schalkos happens in keli. It would be like saying uh, at the moment of conception, even though the ch- every, everything the child will become is all there concentrated in that one cell or one seed. But that's not a child. You can't call that a human being. You can call it a potential and everything is there. For it to be, as the Ebers to the Kavon is, there should be real hischalkus. So that it can't just be ten edus in one keli. You need ten keli. Like you need a, like the development of a child. It needs to have arms and legs and a brain and a heart and lungs and liver. I mean, all the ramachevarim and shasagidim, which is quite a lot. And that's just uh, the limbs and organs. When you start counting the cells, as I mentioned, there's thirty-five to seventy-five trillion cells, trillion, in a human body, in a human being. So you're talking about just the brain. You know how many cells are in the brain? Billions, not trillions of, of cells. And so that means it's chalkos. That's the structure that Ebrishta wants. Now just to remind ourselves, why does Ebrishta want that? Because he wants a dira betachten in Lashon Rabbi. Not dira betachten betachten. So the world as we see it right now, which is a multitude of species, of demon semei chaymedabe, and each one is literally infinite. We just learned in Basilagani, not just bekeach, but bepeo. However, you understand that. So all that is the kavona that should be befeidish hischal, not just hischalkus, a bleak vulischalkus, meaning all kinds of details. And the kavona then is to make a dira loshen yachid in tachten, bringing agdus in alma de pruda, bringing unity in a in a in a, in a, in a um, it was the word diverse world, harmony within diversity, is the way we put it. So, but you need the diversity. And tell you, therefore, or the Kudim plays a critical role because it's the next step of development from 10 in one keli into 10 keli. However, here's the problem. The fact of the matter is, just as I mentioned before in the example of the, of the fetus, of a child developing, a child, if it, God forbid, is not in the mother's womb at the, at the second or third month, even if the kalim have separated, meaning there's, there's enough there, it's not viable. There's no way that fetus can survive. Why not? Because the kalim are still very weak. You can't say that they're solid kalim that are able to function on their own, the lungs of the child or the heart. So they're, they're beginning to work, but the Abishta made it in a way that everything makes sense step by step by step. Now again, this is critical. Why the Abishta made such a say that We'll never know. But once he made it, we know that he wants it to be misudder. He doesn't want a pregnancy to last three months, God forbid. He wants it to be nine months. Why? So Chassidus explains why nine, the nine spheres, the different reasons. There's the Ibur of Sheva, Chadashim, seven months, etc. But the point is, everything is a process. Nothing in this world just jumps. You know, you don't, you don't put a seed in the ground and it turns into a tree overnight. It just doesn't happen. Can it happen? Yeah, the Ebrishter can do whatever he wants, but he didn't want it that way. Ben Chomish Lemikra, Ben Eser Lemishnah, Ben Chamesh Eser Legemara, the Talmud, Ben Eser Lekeach, etc. This is the process of maturity. Everything grows in that way. So that's a given. And of course, when we think about it, it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, it would be otherwise. The only thing you could say, if Ebrishter made it otherwise, he could have made sense that it should be otherwise. But that already the Alter Rebbe established. I just want to say it for the record. I say it many times. Al-Tareb established that based on the way the Ebrister created the world, based on the Seichel, the way he created it, this is the Seichel we have to work with. And to ask a question, why didn't the Ebrister make 11 spheres? And that should have made sense, and that would be the Misprasholem. You can't ask that question. I mean, yeah, you could ask it, but that goes back into the Nesava, Kodesh Baruch Hanafatai Kasha. Remember, the whole thing is rooted higher than Seichel. So you can't ask a Seichel a question on something that's higher than Seichel. But the Ebrister, like we say, we don't know why Nisava, but we know what Nisava. We know what he wanted. And he wanted a Masudadika world. And he wanted Aveda to be Besedev Adroga. Of course, there are times you can jump. The Dalek Shur, there's Shuva, there's, there's uh, moments in life when we have an ability to, to go straight, 
but that's not the regular order. You have one Yom Kippur once a year. The rest of the year you have to go Beseder Mesudah, Simchasteder once a year, etc. So the point being is that this is why it's critical that it go in a process that makes sense to us. And as we'll discuss soon, what the real purpose, of course, is for us in our Aveda to be able to relate to this level. So usually when people hear the word Teyu, most of us dismiss it. That Teyu is the bad world, so to speak. They have to treat us like and let's move to Tikkun. But it's, remember, Teyu is a Elam Dindusha. It's the Ebesh to create in the Kudim, just like he created Akudim, and just like he created Vrudim and Tikkun. So there's a purpose in Teyu. Teyu is not a mistake, which of course begs the question, so what exactly was the Shvira Sakelim? Was that like an accident? God didn't realize that uh, it's going to break, the Kelim are going to break? You know, we're not talking about human beings who maybe build a machine or build a house and they didn't figure it out well, so the whole thing collapses. That's human error. You know, humans are not... But Eberstein knows what he's doing. So what is this whole thing, Shvira Sakelim, in the first place? Which I'm going to get to shortly, I'm just leading up to it. But the first most important thing to know is that the Edis have now been broken now into not just 10 Edis, it's 10 Kalim. However, the Kalim is what's called fragile. In the language of Chassidus, Kalim Mu'atim. Sometimes Kalim Chaloshim. Meaning Kalim Mu'atim means not Mu'at as in few, also in Echus. They're weak. Because they're just developing. They're very fragile. And again, a perfect example would be like a child and you're starting to have already schalkus, but you can't really call it 10 solid containers that can contain the air. The airs, on the other hand, remember, were very existent in Akudim. And even though they get diminished somewhat in Akudim, but they're still very intense. So that's why the Loshan is, airs merubim bekele mu'atim. Or like you see sometimes the Loshan, the Rebbe uses chavches nisan. And, uh, and as in Chassidus brings, Eidus uh, Deteu and Kalim Detikun, which we'll talk about later what that means. Now we're talking about Kalim Deteu, not Kalim Detikun. But what is Eidus Deteu? Eidus Merubim. Bekamus Ember Echus. So, for, so, so like when you take, for example, with a child, yes, in the second or third month, there may already be some Kalim, but the Eid is there in full intensity. It's not functioning because Eidariya cannot work if you don't have an eye, an eyeball. And the heart can't, the, the kayacha, the midis are not functioning, the heart isn't fully developed. But the air is very powerful. So you have here yourself, right away, setting up a stage of, of trouble, so to speak. I know maybe that's not the right word. Because, they, as I said, the apes didn't go to make trouble. But you have here, let's call it an incongruence, is the word in English. Something is not balanced. Because the airs are intense, and the kalim are very fragile. And as such, it's going to lead to what's going to be called Shvidas HaKem, the shattering of the containers. But before I get to that, I want to talk a little more about this and the Kudin, understand its purpose. And then we can understand what the Shvira is about. So there's really two, two things I brought in Chassidus that really explain why the, what, what the role of Tayu in this whole picture. So the first thing I already explained to some extent, not fully, but I explained the, the idea of Ischalkus. You need Ischalkus. You need the kalim to break into details. And that happens in Tayyip. And the first step of it is Tayyip. But you could ask the question, why can't it just jump from Akudim to Vrudim? Why do we need this in-between step? You can say, okay, 10 energies in one container, and then the next thing is 10 energies in 10 containers, but in a balanced way. So you don't have to have Shridas or Kalim all together. And you have Iskalus, and you have uh, everything is beautiful. Atsilus. What do we need this in-between step? So the answer is... Twofold. First, I'm just saying both answers, then I'm going to elaborate on. The first is, because as I said before, the Ebishtah wants to say the Masudr. You could ask the same question. Why can't we just be born? Yes, we need nine months of development. Fine, but then you're born. You should be 20 years old. Like other Mechavah. We have to go through the whole, all the pains of, of childbirth and early childhood education and, and all the you know, and adolescence and everything that we go through. Become adults and ready adults to go out into the world, get married, and build your home and family. You can ask exactly the same question. Why don't you skip the step? But so the first reason is because you need a Seder Masud. And, and the, the second reason is, as we'll learn, because it's critical for the ultimate kavone, ironically, that you need to have this unbalanced state before you get to a balanced state. And I'm going to explain that now. And then we'll talk about 
You understand the Shvira Sakelem will be easy to understand what that means. So, um, let's just just to answer a question with another question. We know everyone said we spoke. I spoke about this in the last year, I think. So we know the Abishnu created the world in six days, Sheshis Yamin, and then Shabbos, and the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Every day has its creation. Kol Yema V'Yema Over David. But we're also told that every day the Abishnu said Vayara Likim, and he said Vayemer Likim, and Vayara Likim Kitev. Day one it says that, and then it says it the all the other days except day two. Doesn't say the word kitev. So the answer given, why? Rashi brings and from Midrashim and so on. Because in that day was Nivra Machlekes. Now, what does that mean, Machlekes? There's no one around to argue. Other Machava, one created for another few days. So it's not Bapel Machlekes, it means the concept of Machlekes. Because in day, Yem Echad, as the name implies, Echad, like the Medrash says, was Meir Ardus Hashem. Oyer. There was no diversity. The whole world was the whole world was mayim b'mayim. You didn't even have the difference between land and uh, and water, and that and that or the kia above and the kia below. Everything was one seamless unity. Day two was created as two implies period, an element of ayavdel havdola, and that is what that's diversity. In a way, you could say that day one is more like a kudim. Because it's taka ten eiders, but it's all one keli. It's an agdus, and day two now was created um, separation. His chalkus, his chalkus has the potential to go both ways. It can end up in machlekes, because now you have two entities, and they have different personalities, and they can conflict with each other. You take, let's say, this chalkus between uh, heaven and earth. If there's no balance, you could have a mabul. You have to have boundaries. Just like there's a boundary between Mayim and Yabosha, between the sea, the Yam and the Yabosha, or else it would create destruction. So day two really created, we'll call it distinction and diversity, which is critical for the creation. Day three is Huchpobaykitev, because day three makes Sholem and Agdus between the two. Like we say every morning, Shneik Suvim Machishim Ashlishi. So day two is like the Shneik Suvi Machkishim Zebazah. And day three is the reconciliation. So here you can ask the same question. Why do you need to have day two? Jump from one to three. So I think the answer is obvious. Because you can't really have Shalom if you don't first have distinction. You have to have the potential of two different... You need two entities with the potential that they could disagree. And then you have Shalom. The Kavun is not the Abish to create Shalom. He wants us to create Shalom in a world of Pirut. So day two, you can't call it Tev Begoli. It's Tev Potential. But only day three, when you actually have the Shalom, then you can say that you also have Tev for day two. So day two ends up being also a good day. You just don't know it until you get to day three. In other words, the Kavun of day two is not a Kavun of the Atzma. It's, it's Bishvil, the Pirut, or the Ischalkus, you should, as we should say. Of day two is bekavone is for day three, and that's why day three is magala lemafreya. It reveals the purpose of day two. This is exactly how toyo and tikkun work, and the kudim and vrudim. That toyo on its own is ischalkus, which you must have. You must have ischalkus, but on its own it could also create problems, and that don't, that, that that is the shvidas akelim. But on the other hand, you also can create something you cannot create unless you have ischalkus. And that is what we call Shlishi, Tiferes, which is actually a Kudim, the Kudim, Vrudim are exactly like that. Chesed, Gvur, and Tiferes. And like Hechot, Sheni, Shlishi. And Tikkun is Megala, that Toyu too is Tev, and had a purpose. Just to use a simple example. When you say something is beautiful, and that's Tiferes, means beauty. Why is it called beauty? You know, Tiferes is Midas, Emes, Shalom, what's what beauty? So we say it's because it combines chesed and gvurim. Well, what is something when you call something beautiful? You could have a beautiful color, blue. You may have a different favorite color, green, red, whatever, yellow. But beauty is not one color. Beauty is always going to be a harmony within diversity. When you say a beautiful face, what does that mean? Is it the eyes? Is it the nose? Is it the mouth? Is it the complexion, the ears? The answer is, it's the whole parts of 
there's some balance. Take music is the same thing. One musical note can be a nice note, but if you keep playing it, it'll just be noise. What's real music? Many notes of different types, and they come together in harmony, and you have magical music, a beautiful melody. Let's say somebody doesn't know how to play the, the music, or um, someone who sings off tune. Like they say, what's worse than one person singing off tune? Two people singing off tune, right? And it exponentially grows. So if someone takes the same nigun and they sing it the wrong way, what will it sound like? It'll be great. It's better to be silent than that. So the same musical notes, which is diverse, if they're in the right order, it's beautiful, it's harmony. And they're in the wrong order, they'll just be very annoying, or even worse. So the same thing in the world. The fact of the matter is, there are in saying shavas. That's what they wish to create it. So you could say, why do you create in shavas? It just leaves room for machlekes. If we all were of one mind, we were all clones, and we were all conformists and just followed one way, there'd be no machlekes. That's not the kavon, however. The whole kavon is there should be a dira b'tachtenim l'ashadabim. And tachtenim means different types. And people have different days. Uh, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, different shvatim, ain't they saying shavas. This person, as I say, Talmud chachamim, and there's Mari Uvdin Tov. I mean, there's all kinds of personality types. And no, not one is superior to the other. There's Shiva Kaniha Meneda. There's seven branches of the Meneda. And the Meneda is only complete when you have all seven. So essentially, if you look around, first of all, you don't even have to look in Tater. Just look at the Psari Echza What would the human body be like if all the organs were one organ? It wouldn't be a human being. You need to have absolutely diverse organs and limbs and parts. And a healthy human being, they all work in a coordinated way. If a person, God forbid, and the different parts of, your, of a person's body and don't work well with each other, you know, you have, I don't even want to mention, autoimmune diseases and all kinds of things, the body can turn on itself. So if you really think of it, it's pushed a miracle that you have so many different diversity in the human body, and the same thing with nature, and unless somebody comes and disrupts the order, it works in perfect harmony. And then, you just look at any species, I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. You just take one species, how everything works together. It's like amazing, we take it for granted. You know, we try to build machines that replicate it. A camera is copying the human eye, an airplane is copying the, a bird. But who created the bird, who created the eye? And you look at it, how many things have to work perfectly for your eye to function? Do you know how many different mechanisms have to work? In millions, ultimately. I mean, it's a few things we can identify. But behind the scenes, the nerves and all the other things, it's unbelievable what happens. Or when you take a piece of food in your mouth, for you to digest it, and the waste should be expelled, and the nutrients should be absorbed. I mean, all these things is, is literally an example of tefetis, of harmony within diversity. But... If you didn't have Ischalkas, you couldn't have Ischalkas. So you cannot skip day two. You can't skip Tayyum. You have to have potential for Machlekas in order to ultimately have a, a, a real Shalom. And it, yes, on one hand, that can be very sad and tragic because look what human beings have done to each other through war and crime and injustices and genocides. That's only a result of Ischalkas. If we were all one, it would be impossible. At the same time, there's no way around to create the Dira B'tachtenim and fulfill the Kavon. You have to have the potential for a disagreement. And be wise not to disagree. And figure out, doesn't mean compromise, it means both become more complete in the process. Shalom from the word, also shalom, completion. So in that context, Toyu plays a critical role because it's not a world of its own. It's like the expression is, the shvira is going to be on manas building. It's not an end in itself. So now let's talk about that aspect, the shvira sakel. <coughs> so the, the technical uh, description of what happens in Toyu, and of course all these things have to be abstracted because there's no physical breaking of containers. There's no destruction as in, uh, like, you know, like, you break a cup under a chuppah or something like that. It's uh, all figurative. It's, a, it's, it's, it's like a muscle for us to understand the imbalance of things. Because ultimately, what causes something to break? If you put too much uh, energy inside, let's say uh, the, there would be an energy surge 
going to these light bulbs, the, the bulbs would burst. So you have no energy at all, the bulbs won't, won't burn. So an appliance needs juice, it needs energy, but it needs a balanced amount of energy. When you have a lot of energy and little and fragile containers, Eris Mo'at Morubim and Kelim Mo'atim, you have this potential state of something that's going to break apart. You know, psychologically speaking, which I'll talk about more soon, I just want to give an example. You know, I remember once by Fabrengen, the Rebbe was giving a chelik to someone without names. And the Rebbe says, why do I have to talk about a Barabim? And embarrass this person. So the Rebbe said, because if I called him in to Yechidus and told him he'd have Shvidus HaKel. That was the Rebbe's expression. Now, Kemuvin, it's a B'Shem HaMushal. But it means, because sometimes if you're in a situation where a person is overwhelmed, it can create Shvidus HaKel. It could be the example of a teacher teaching too, too much to a student and the student gets completely confused and overwhelmed. It could be when you have very strong emotions. You know, when a person, God forbid, suffers a tragedy, it completely overwhelms your system. You could have a breakdown. You're in shock. Why? Because the kalim can't be saved. It can't, be, it can't contain the intensity. The same could be also a lamal yusa, simcha. Simcha is good. A simcha that's so powerful, your kalim can't really contain it, so you break out in dance or whatever it may be. You can cry. One of the reasons we cry is a form of not shvidasai kalim, but definitely overwhelming the kalim. Something happens that you can't contain in a normal way, so it, you burst out crying. Or laughing for that matter. So all these are dugmois of Eris and Kalim with the Eris stronger than the Kalim. And as you see from many of these examples, it's not always a bad thing. It's bad if it becomes so overwhelming that a person can, uh, can actually affect the person. Like in a way, and this already is not going to find in a mime, but I work in this field a lot, applying chassidus to psychological situations. Basically, anyone dealing with any type of trauma that overwhelms them and they can't function well in their lives is a form of shvidus hakelim. That something happened in a person's life, he wasn't able to, uh, to absorb it and understand it. Let's say, God forbid, childhood trauma. A child doesn't have the, the kalim to deal with certain, certain situations, whether it's abuse or something like that, and it affects that child forever. That doesn't mean there's no tikkun. Remember, toyu leads to tikkun. But they definitely have to deal with the, the collateral damage. So damage is done psychologically, emotionally. In many ways, you could even argue that some forms of mental illness, they call it today chemical imbalance. What's a chemical imbalance at the end of the day? Think of what, what it means. It means we all have chemicals in our brain, but there's a compartmentalization. Just to give an example, a person has a, a tragedy or a loss. So we know, God forbid, you lose a close friend, and no one should know of this, or a relative, or a parent, if this is shiva. And early on, a person is going to be very overwhelmed. There's or usually a shvira sakelim. Not necessarily you see it, begashmias, but there's a shvira. That's what we call it. A person is broken. You say a person is brokenhearted. You know, you're brokenhearted. And that's completely normal. Because the event is so powerful that we don't have the kalim for it. And either way, you know, we can yell and scream and cry or ask why. But there's, a, there's suffering. But it does say... Then after 12 months, a person starts forgetting. Now you don't forget, you never forget, God forbid, you never forget a loss of a close person. But it doesn't have the, quite the same shocking effect. You could go back to your life, even though that event happened. What is that, what's going on from a, from a, in a psychological perspective? What's happening is that the Eberster made something, which is called the chemicals in your brain, when a person experiences a very a traumatic event at the moment, it overwhelms. But in time, what happens is the chemicals take over and they call they compartmentalize. So the trauma or the, the loss still remains, but it's like in a closet. So now you can contain it. When you have people, for example, who suffer from, they can't forget a terrible thing, or they suffer from depression or paranoia, that means their chemicals have not balanced out the experience. Now, I'm not saying forgetting, but you can deal with it. You can live with it. And you look, why is one person suffer? So went through the Holocaust and came out, I can't say perfect because everybody was hurt, but can manage, can function, another person completely loses it. Why does one person, I don't want to even say really negative things, people take their lives, why person, another person suffered exactly the same way? We don't know God's mysterious ways. I'm just giving extreme examples, obviously, 
But these are all, if you really want to describe it, it's really Shvidas HaKelim at the end of the day, one way or another. So it's, just an, uh, it's, a, it's a manifestation of what, what can happen in Toyo. But the kavona of the imbalance, as I said, is not to remain there. The kavona is tikkun. The kavona is to create balance. But then we have to understand, so what exactly is this Shvidas HaKelim? Like I mentioned before, what the Ebershter didn't know, he couldn't create a situation. So the two main answers for that, and going back to what I said before, is number one, as, as odd as it sounds, Shvidas HaKelim is actually critical to the process of Tikkun. You know, just to give an example, um, you know, they tell the story of like, you know, the role that pain plays in our lives. When a person has pain, so nobody wants to have pain. You know, we take painkillers, pain is very, very debilitating. But imagine we didn't have pain. If your nerves did not feel something, you wouldn't have a warning signal that there's a problem. So pain is actually a blessing. It's telling you to do something about it. It's like a, like a, a red, a red, it's like a red uh, light. It's like an alarm. You know, there's a pain that means there's smoke, there's fire, there's a reason for it. So they tell uh, an example of, I mean, this is not an example, unfortunately, of a person who suffered a stroke, and, you know, when you have a stroke, or God forbid, often parts of the body get paralyzed because the nerves have been damaged or the flow from the brain. And if you touch a person in a certain place of the body, he won't feel it. He or she won't feel it. And every day when the doctor would come, he would test and see Press the, the left arm, no, doesn't feel anything. Then one day, the doctor stuck a needle in the hand, and the guy started yelling, and the doctor started laughing. So he said, why are you laughing? Look, he just stuck a needle in my hand. He says, because for three months, you didn't feel it. Now you feel it. That means something's coming back to life. So now, if you had the choice to feel pain or not feel pain, which one would you choose? Now, of course, our comfort zone would like to choose being numb. That way you don't have to worry about it. But how many problems fester because you don't deal with it? You don't nip it in the bud. Let's say they say, But some people, I don't want to know about Zamach. I'd rather not know it exists. You know, people go to doctors, they get a bad diagnosis. They come home and their wife asks them, so everything is good. Why? Because it's hard to deal with something like that. But is that a better situation? So tell you in a way is an awareness that there's a problem. And what's the problem? What's the problem? Let's not forget. There would be no world of Tayu, there'd be no world of Akudim or Ak if there wasn't that Simsamarishan. The Simsamarishan, the kavon of it is to create a mokim pone. There should be worlds and ultimately his chalkus, like we discussed, and all the details. But at the end of the day, Chsidis says that Simsum is Hepacha Kavon. Because the Kavon is not Simsum. Just like I said, the Tayu is Bishwil Atikun, Sesla Amanas Livnes. Simpson is Shulagili. But the fact is that Simpson created a major distortion. As we discussed it back then, I want to refer back to what the Simpson did. In order to create an independent consciousness that's not pure of a kus, remember the Russian of the Eitzchayim, that before the Simpson is. You can't have a Tachtainim without a Simpson. Because there's no room. There's only divine consciousness. Eid ain't sof. That's it. So you need to have the tzimtzum, or need to. Kav Yochel, doesn't need, but he wants it to be this with an orderly way. So the tzimtzum is like the teacher concealing his brilliant seichel to allow room for a student. If the teacher keeps going on and on, like a mayanam is gaber, it's like Eid ain't sof, if not tzimtzum, there'd be no room for a Talmud. Nobody could develop. Nobody could, there's no room for anyone. But there's a, but there's a downside to it also. In order to create an independent consciousness, what we call through the tzimtzum, you also have the potential, like I said, for all kinds of problems. Like the famous Sesiche, Tu Bishra Tov Shalom So the Rebbe recites there the Moshal, the famous Moshalim from the Magid. And it's one of the classic Sikhs that Rebbe is crying uncontrollably um, about Golos. So he gives the example of the Magid, that why, why the Ebishter, like a father, conceals himself from the child. And the goal of the concealment is not an end in itself. It's in order the child should use his ingenuity and creativity and find the father. That's the kavona. To bring out deeper keiches of the neshama beguf. However, the father hid himself so well that the child can't find him. And he looks and looks and looks. And he gives up. Like the Rebbe then said, 
Zunti gesucht, or Monte gesucht, and Dinste gesucht. He's looking all the time, and at some point he can't find his father. And the Rebbe said, Vos is The child is not responsible. He didn't hide himself. God, in his brilliance, knows how to hide himself very well. Yes, the kavonah, but what do you want? What the, what's the tainus? How long can you, what, what do you want from the child? So the Rebbe was the tainus to the Ebushter. But, but what do you have here? What happens if, if everything works right, so the father hiding is in order to bring the child to find the father, and they, then they unite, and they embrace, and you have the gula. But if the child gives up, so the helm of the tzimtzum suddenly becomes a, a curse. Because it's not a kavon alatzmi. Helm is never a kavon alatzmi. It's only bishul agili. <clears throat> and what happens, this helm creates all kinds of problems, because the child then goes off to do other things. Gives up looking, and now he has his own business. He's running a business, he's running his life. Aniva avsiyeit. Whatever level of uh, yeshes, not even talking about necessarily ra, but ultimately it can lead to every problem. Because as soon as you don't know that it's a helam, like the words of the Baal Shem Tev, what's the double hester? Because if you know it's cheshech, at least you're going to do something about it. If you think the cheshech is eir, everything is fine, no problem. Imagine a sick person Decided that everything is fine. That's much worse than the, the illness. Illness, at least you know, you dear samachla. So, so in an interesting, fascinating way, toyu is actually a wake-up call. It's saying something is wrong. It's true, we need symptoms and we need ischalkus, but it's not balanced. So toyu, the shvidah sakelem of toyu is like knowing, it's like revealing to us the pain and the incongruence and the imbalance of ishtalshos, that eris and kelem are not aligned. And that can lead to tikkun. So if there was no shvirus HaKelim, in a way you'd never have a reminder there's a problem. You think, okay, everything is good, the symptom happened, now we have a new reality, Elam is bepshitis, elikuz bishachos, and fine, we'll live our lives like uh, very, even you can live a very from halachadika life, but you don't be margish eneid muvadei, that there's only elikuz, because that's all before the symptom. Teyu is saying, no, no, there's a problem here. So an interesting way, besides that it creates this chalkus and it's still fragile, it's also creating a wake-up call that there's a problem. So you want to know before, if someone builds a home and the home is faulty, there's something wrong, you don't want to wait till it's too late to find out this, that, that this, this house could collapse. You want it to collapse before anyone moves in there. So in a sense, tell you, its collapse is, not, is very intentional. That's why the word is seisam manas livnes. It reflects that imbalance that the tzimtzum created. So now we can do something about it. In Abhil Parsha, they tell the story. It was in, the, in, the, in Russia. So winters were very cold and summers were very hot. There's no air conditioning. So what do you do in an unbearable hot day? So they went down to basements. In the basement, it was cooler. Problem is there's no electricity. So it's also no light. So Abhila, they say, once went down to one of these basements to, to relieve a bit from the, from the heat. There were other people there, but it was so dark, he couldn't see anything. So he said, we can't go to there. It's so dark. So one of the chassidim sitting there, he says, you stay here a little while, you get used to it, and you'll be able to start seeing. So he said, that's what I'm worried about. That I'm going to get used to it, and I'll start seeing. I, I want to know that it's dark. In other words, the idea to know that there's a problem is critical in any growth and healing. Take out Teyu from the picture and you don't have this uh, reminder. So yes, nobody likes Shvira. Nobody likes a break. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes to see something break down. But if something breaks down, it's telling you it's a symptom of a problem. Do something about it. So of course we love a perfect world. But again, the Ebershter did create a world of diversity and ischalkus, potential conflict. And therefore, Teyu plays that role. Now, of course, it doesn't remain there. The, key, the goal is healing. The goal is tikkun. But that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Shvita Sakhalin is part of the picture. So in a way, it's like a result of the tzimtzum. And it's like almost a protest, a reminder, there's something wrong. And the truth is, the wise person sees something. If you see conflict in a certain situation, obviously we all would love no conflict. But the conflict should be a wake-up call that we have to do something about it before it gets worse. So if there's a disagreement, someone who's smart is going to figure out, what do we do about it? They're not going to just say, let's ignore it. 
And that's really what Teyu does. It forces the situation. I mean, sometimes you can use the expression like a market correction, they call it. When things are not balanced, there's always going to be a market correction. Something is going to call out and say, let's do something to correct it. Yeah, you want to ask? Not everything has to be spelled out. I find it everywhere. Toyu is everywhere. That I can tell you. Um, any, any conflict, anywhere where you don't have balance and you don't have a proper... You know, I mentioned things like disease and illness is obviously a form of it, but it could also be machlekes, because that, that's what it is. And it could also be, uh, like, uh, I'll give you another example. I mean, I, I, I don't want to identify any particular community. Let's, let's keep it universal. You know, we all have our issues. But I will say, well, you know, I talk about, I'll, I'll give a few other examples that maybe will help here. Um, you know, parents and children, for example, or even judgmentalism that we find a lot, where, um, you know, you all still have young children that you're in control of, but soon they will be taking control of you. Um, at some point, I can't say exactly like that, but they're not going to do everything you want them to do. Um, so parents, how do they deal with children that are rebellious or difficult or challenging, whatever? And it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. It's just a child is, you know, and you don't like what the child is doing. So you have people who are very uh, lenient. They overlook everything. Everything goes. They just don't, no discipline at all. You have the other extreme, tremendous discipline, even to the point of breaking a child. You can demoralize and shatter a child. I'm using the word shatter. You see this. Teachers have done it to children. Bullying does that. Anywhere where you break someone's spirit is a form of a shvira. I mean, that's what we call it, a shvira. Now, whether it leads to a, a, God forbid, a nervous breakdown or depression, you know, if it's sustained, it could lead to a lot of problems. You know, we all have certain resilience that we can deal with a punch or two in life. But if punches start becoming continued, you know, I, I'll give you an example without no names. And I deal with this because people write to me on Sunday night, my chassidus applied. So I remember a while back I read this. Um, I don't even know who it is, frankly, so I don't even have a name myself, which is, which is good. But a guy wrote to me. He said that he's married for 14 years. And, um, and he heard me speak about something. And he's decided finally he's going to go tell his wife a real challenge he has that he never spoke to her about. And that is he hates Shabbos. He hates Shabbos mamish. He says, I do it, I have children, I play the game, but I can't stand Shabbos. Why can't I stand Shabbos? Because when I was a child, in my home, my father, who was an achzer, that's what he called him, a cruel person, he couldn't wait Friday night by this table to ask me questions and forhead me, and then humiliate me, whether before the family, in front of guests. So he says, as a child, I dreaded Shabbos. Sunday already, I began to tremble. And imagine, every day that I got closer to Shabbos, because I knew Shabbos, Friday night, is going to be my abuse night. So what do you think? I identified Shabbos with pain. So I got married, and I'm happily married, but there are things I really carry. And I, I, I guess he heard something I said that it's better to talk about it than just to keep it inside. That way, at least... You know, what we're talking about now. He says, the Pasha destroyed me. Now, many people may not understand this. I know rabbis and others that will say, but it's a big thing. It's like diarrhea, whatever. He can get over it. But it's not true. Childhood trauma can have very deep impact because children are simple. You know, we think if it's an adult, yeah, if someone, if someone invited you to a Friday night table and humiliated, you won't go back again. And that's it. Well, I have nothing to do with a person who's an accident. But a child doesn't have that option. It's his father. And I'm sure in many ways his father showed him love at other times, which makes it even more confusing. So this is the real shvira of a human spirit. And here's a perfect example. And this is happening all the time, unfortunately. Sometimes in more extreme ways, and sometimes more subtle ways. So Teyu, the, actually the world of Teyu gives us a model that you can look at and say, this is not the way it's meant to be. You want, uh, what's the contrast? Look at Tikkun. And the big difference that we're going to talk about it's, it's going to be the difference between Yesh and Bittal. So even though Toyo is the Elam of Gedusha, remember, there's no Ra in Toyo, but it's the potential for all problems, because there's lacking Bittal, and when there's lacking Bittal, there's lacking Iskalos, and you don't have Sholem, you don't have the Tiferes. 
you have the, the separate Nekudis, Nekudim, that's the word, Nekudim Nifrodim. And they're not, there's no Iskalos. So the two big problems in Teyu is number one, there's no Iskalos, and number two, that the Eris and Kalim don't get along. So you can find many manifestations and examples of this in personal life, in communal life, and actually you can find solutions. That's the real Kavoni here. And I see I elaborate a lot, so I'll have to continue next week in more detail. Because I wanted to make it real. Because the fact is, we learned about Tayyu Tikkun. And you ask us, to me, this is an excellent model. I use it all the time. Every time you, you counsel a couple, and there's a conflict that they have, or parents and children, or community members. And you know, whatever you're going to end up doing in your life, in your shlichus, you're going to face situations wherever you are. There's going to be communal disagreements, individual disagreements, family, family disagreements. So the more you understand the chsidis of it, you actually can create models and, re- and identify what's the problem. And then find ways. Find ways to resolve it. So really the toyu tikkun um, uh, dichotomy, if you wish, or, bal- uh, or imbalance or balance, can teach us literally about any situation that's dysfunctional and functional. A very good word you can use, dysfunctionality is toyu, and, and tikkun is functionality. But... I still wanted to go deeper into the Toyu aspect, what it, what it means, this imbalance. So we'll, ha- we'll do that. We'll continue next week. I'll do a part two on this and elaborate more and then hopefully go into the next... I uh, still want to talk from Ayan Bez. I didn't get to the different... He talks about four types of imbalances, actually, where the Eidos are too strong, the Kalim are too weak. Sometimes the Kalim are too strong, the Eidos are too weak. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Simon Betev, we only have Tikkun in our lives, and Shalom, and Abdus, and Teferis.